to read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment. This is our very special live June 2020 episode. And the Bestseller Experiment, we're here to continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark DeVoe. And I'm Mark Stay. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Pro Writing Aid, the official editing software of the bestseller experiment. Pro Writing Aid is so much more than a grammar checker. It's a style editor and writing mentor all in one lovely little package. And what's more, Pro Writing Aid integrates with Scrivener, Word, Google Docs, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, OpenOffice, and Outlook. It's designed for the smarter writer, which is all of you. And as a listener of the bestseller experiment, you can get a whopping 20% off right now. Go to ProWritingAid.com. Choose your license length and enter the discount code BXP. That's ProWritingAid.com. Choose the license length and enter the discount code BXP. Mr. D, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. And I just want to welcome everyone who's joined us live in the studio. Woo! Yes, we do love a bit of a live show because it really keeps us on our toes. And so we want to say hello to some of the people who've joined us. We've got Robin, Ian, Shell, Craig, Zach, Sasha, Sage, Andy, Rachel, and more joining us as we speak. And... Today's a very special day, Mark, because we've got two very exciting announcements to make. The first mm. announcement is that we're going to make an announcement in two ah. weeks, right? <laughs> Work that one well, out. Yeah. Two weeks from today, we've been, we've been talking about something, kind of alluding to something that we've been working on for a very long time. And in two weeks from today, we will be making an announcement about that. So if you want to find out what that is, tune in in two weeks. But I've got a big announcement to make on behalf of... My colleague here, Mr. Stay, who's had a little, a little bit of exciting news happen in the last couple of weeks. Mr. Stay, would you like to tell everyone what on earth has been going on in your life? Well, I, I done wrote it a film and... <laughs> And some nice film people said they might make the words that I done wrote it into a moving picture at, to be shown at the cinema. Uh, so yeah, I've um, there was a thing in the the Hollywood Reporter. The Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the headline is uh, film from UK director John Wright has been billed as Gremlins meets Straw Dogs. Um, and I can't tell you much more than that. <laughs> I, can, I, I can give you. I can give you. Like I give. I'll give you what's in the article. So the film is called The Little People, and here's the blurb. Uh, it's Londoners Maya and Jamie escape their urban nightmare to the tranquility of rural Ireland, only to discover malevolent murderous goblins lurking in the gnarled ancient wood at the foot of their new garden. When heavily pregnant Maya's relationship with the local family turns sour, who or what will come to her rescue and what extremes will she go to to protect her unborn child so yeah that's the that's the old synopsis there and uh, we've got an amazing team coming together so this is me work i've been working with john wright uh, who of course i co-wrote robot overlords with before that he did grabbers as well and he's been doing a lot of tv recently and, and for people that don't know john wright is the director of robot director. overlords and has also yeah. made a number of other films so yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's um, and we've got a great, great producers, great teams. We've got you know uh, a guy called Sean Harrison doing the creatures. You know, yeah, and these are and these are people. Like, I was reading the article in Hollywood Reporter. These are people that worked on Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, Marvel is, movies, Star right? Wars movies. Yeah, these. I mean, the Four. thing is, in in the UK, we have some of the best prosthetics visual effects film crews in the world so uh it's um it's it's really really exciting and i've uh, i've already seen storyboards i've already seen concept art so the wheels are turning the whole hollywood reporter thing was essentially that there's going to be um of course can festival isn't happening in the old-fashioned sense mm. but it is a virtual can is happening because the can that you see on TV with the red carpets and everything. That's one side of the Cannes Film, Film Festival. But behind the scenes, it's a film market. People buy and sell movies. So uh, the Cornerstone, which is the name of the sales company who's picked us up, they, they'll they be 
taking our movie and the script and they'll be selling international rights and that's how we're going to raise the rest of the money for the budget but it's um it's it's really really so exciting it's it's uh, absolutely amazing news i'm so chuffed for you mark it's like now thank one you. of the things that's so fun about this is that behind the scenes for me as we, as we're doing this podcast obviously i'm I, I sometimes get a few tidbits about what you're working on, which we can't obviously talk about. So I've I kind of known in this was in the works for a while, but not known obviously that that it, it was going to happen. And, and and but one of the things that we're going to focus on today, and we're going to jump into this a bit later on, is this idea of persistence. The fact that mm. as writers, you know, we show up every day, we we plug away a little bit of what we're working on, and and it's persistence that wins the day. But we're not going to dive into that just yet because that's going to be the theme of today. And I want everyone to, I want people firstly to see what we can ask Mark, which he can actually tell us about. So if there's anything you want to know as a writer, and I'll, I'll, it's all right, I'll flag, I'll flag these up for the stuff you can't answer. But I want to know from everyone in the studio live, all of our lovely patrons who are here supporting us on this podcast. As a writer, I'm I'm really curious about how this all works, like how, how you go from, you know, it's more about the background stuff that happens before you know, before when the idea happened, etc. So if you've got a question for Mr. Stay, put it in the notes and I'll pick a few out to ask him. But a question I've got for you, Mark, is yeah. when did you, I remember you mentioning donkeys years ago that you were starting on a new idea for a script. And you mentioned this idea of, you know, you know, creature feature type, you know, horror thing. How long ago, remind me how long ago that was. You know what? I'm going to check because I don't think it was that long ago, actually. Uh, this has been, a compared to most film projects, this has been a pretty fast mover. Uh, I would say maybe about a year ago. <laughs> Which is still, in a lot of people's lives, that's a long time. But I, for, for movies, that's quick. That's and this, really, really and this quick. came about, I remember, it was, was it a discussion between, it was between the two of you and you decided, or was it your, how did it, how did it start? Give us the John. Uh, John and I were talking about violence um, and how violence diminishes us and how we would both describe ourselves as pacifists and how any kind of fight gives us the shakes, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, what a pair of wusses we are, basically, <laughs> and how and how there's this manly ideal, blah, blah, blah. And that conversation came out and we said, actually, but there is one time where we probably would get aggressive and that's protecting our children if our children were in danger it's that it's that thing of you know you hear of um parents you know lifting a car that their children's trapped under and yes and uh, doing it's the the mother bear thing you know the, mm -hmm. the, that 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 thing that 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 thing inside us that's inside all of us and we were just talking about okay let's there's there's a movie there there's uh there's 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 an idea there this uh, and what represents that Id, that violence and plus we wanted to make a, a a monster movie with little goblins that you know bite and eat people and those two things magically came together so Brilliant. it's um it's it came from a very personal place as well because you know we uh, as you saw in the the synopsis there it's about a couple that moved to the country find their ideal home claire and i lived in the suburbs and we did have issues with you know uh local local troubles so like yeah so. i remember i remember you telling and, me about you know, that, yeah. yeah and we did move to the country and it has been a idyllic and we've been very very lucky to 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 get here um but what if the dream turned sour so uh so yeah it's it's some um, it's that magic combination which is where it's it's very personal but also in a commercial genre as well and we were so lucky because we um we showed it to peers tempest to produce robot overlords and we thought we'll show it to Piers out of courtesy because he's not a big, you know, especially his recent stuff. He did The Wife with Glenn Close, this Oscar-nominated movie. He did, uh, I think it's Ordinary Lives with um, Liam Neeson. Uh, and, oh, God, I've forgotten her name now, but she was BAFTA-nominated. Really, really good movie about, you know, you know, really good grounded drama that wins awards kind of thing. We thought, is he? And he was like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, he optioned it... Um, March, I think, and so here we are now. So, Fantastic. you know, I think Piercy, as I discovered with Robo Overlords, when he loves something, he moves, re he moves heaven and earth, and he moves fast. You know, he's yeah, uh, and he's obviously so, very yeah. good at what he does. <laughs> really, 
really good. Really One good. of the things I'm most excited about is we're, we kind of started this podcast on the back end of Robot Overlords. That's how we got talking about and then came up with this idea for doing the podcast. What I'm super excited about this time around is we get to come on the journey with you. We get to kind of yeah. like as much as you can share with us, but it's to actually kind of live it with you. Because I think from a writer's perspective, I, 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 I'll put it out there to our audience. Is there one writer out there who doesn't dream of having a film written a film created rather of something they've written. And so to get a kind of this like insight is going to be absolutely phenomenal. And I, for one, cannot wait to get all, ask all the fun questions and just kind of document this. Because I think part of what this podcast, what I realized about what the magic of this podcast is we're kind of documenting lives as, as they, you know, are documenting the journeys our, our, our listeners, our, our writers, our you know, authors who are turning into successful authors. We're actually kind of like coping these time capsules with, with many episodes. And we now get to do this with you making a movie, which is just phenomenal. So massive congratulations. And we've got Thank you. questions coming in. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Um, sure. Firstly, Robin has, uh, actually Andy and Rachel have asked, how long did it take to write the screenplay? Uh, uh, you know what? I wish I'd looked it up before I came on, but I think the first nuggets about a year ago, I would say about a year ago, uh, you know, started putting together, together and John and I would, would meet up. Remember that when people met up, uh, we'd yeah, yeah, meet yeah. up, we'd have, uh, he'd Very come 2019. Here, you know, he'd come to this room, we'd spitball ideas, we'd do stuff over the phone. Uh, and the way it worked, because the, the credit is I'm the screenwriter and John and I have story credit. So we, we would work out the story together. He was working on TV shows He's because he's worked most recently on Brassic. And so he was up in Manchester at the BBC a lot as well. Um, and we'd ping ideas backwards and forwards. And I, I wrote and I put together the first draft, which was pretty shonky. Uh, John is one of the few people who gets to see my dirty laundry. So, uh, you know, we had that first draft. We picked How up bad was it, Mark? Come on, out of 10, how bad? Like, we want to hear how bad it was because this is what we've been talking about on the show all this time, about the first drafts are always... Like, this has become a movie now, so how bad was... Do you, do you like... You know, realistically, think it was out of ten. Uh, six or seven out of six or seven. Oh, that's out of pretty 10. good. That's pretty good. You know, so yeah, um, if okay, it had been any but... any less, I don't think John would have come back. But there was okay, enough yeah. good stuff in there that we thought, yeah, there's something in. But where's it going off? Where's it not working? And as always, it's it's a question of finding out what those themes are. Uh, the the biggest problem I had was second act. There was some repetition. Uh, the big lesson I've learned, you know, second act. Uh, razor stakes, razor stakes, razor stakes, razor stakes. So this is, the, I mean, it's going to be a real nail biter. Mm. Uh, it's, um, you know, it's it, we really don't make life easy for our, our, our heroes. Um, so, yeah, it, uh, and then we got, you know, two or three drafts down. There were still problems. We went back and forth. We got, and then the thing that John and I do, and John is great at this, um, we just interrogate the script line by line so we would have skype calls where we had the screen uh, the script up on the screen and we would read the script line by line and if anything sounded remotely dodgy we you know change it or whatever and yeah. this uh, that's the luxury of time i think when you're writing um to commission and there's a clicking uh, ticking clock particularly in TV, you don't always get that luxury. So mm. we were able to really, really spend time getting it right, making sure it's absolutely perfect. So, yeah, I, I talked earlier in the year about feeling completely wiped out at the beginning of, you know, the lockdown because I'd just finished something. That was it. So February, February in particular, we were really working every day on it, polishing, 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 you know, because we wanted it to... It, you only get one shot, you know, and uh, it has to be as good as it possibly can be. So, um, yeah. So you that's... started it about a year ago and and you actually finished, but then that's not an intensive, you know, start and finish. I mean, so, I, so you're probably looking at about a seven-month period from starting to actually ready to pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess okay. so, seven, eight, nine months maybe. But then, yeah. uh, you know, since it's been optioned, lots of little changes since then. So, you, I mean, the thing with a script, you're just con you write a script three times. You know, you write it on paper, and then you write it in production, and then you rewrite in the edit, and um, you know, and, and, and even you end up rewriting lines during the shoot as well, from what you said in Robot Overlords as well. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there, there is, there is that as well. So it's Excellent. constantly changing, constantly moving. But what's been lovely is the production team that's been on board um john said he was on a skype call a zoom call the other day and they were quoting lines from the script they just were really enjoying it and it's that feeling when everyone is on board and you're singing from the same hymn sheet 
because you do worry that are they going to get this? Will they understand this? Yeah. The notes we've had, because you know, you 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 hear about notes, you know, Hollywood notes and blah blah blah, and nightmare things like that. Uh, you know, um, I mean, the classic one is Back to the Future, because uh, uh, Sid Sheinberg at uh, Universal wanted to call it a spaceman from Pluto. Uh, <laughs> And, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob Zemeckis <laughs> and Bob Gale showed it to Spielberg, who was producer, and he knew Sid Sheinberg really well back from Jaws. And he said, right, leave it to me. And he just went back to Sid Sheinberg, said, oh, great joke, Sid, great joke. That's wonderful. And he knew he wouldn't come back and say, no, no, I really meant it. So that, you know, <laughs> it's the value of a good producer. So the notes wow. we've had have been really good. They've picked up on little things saying, actually, can you just screw this a little tight? Can you change that? Can we think about this a bit more? So they've been really helpful good creative yeah. notes so which good, only helps to so kind of to, to make it that much better as well so that's fantastic another question we've got from robin have you ever written a script for someone else's book um funnily enough <laughs> i've uh I, I there is a script of back to reality in my back pocket so you know it's, it's not someone else's but you know <laughs> so that's that's in my pitch bag um th- well, here's the thing. Let me let me because I know we're going to come to perseverance in a minute. Yeah. But I sat down and added up from Robot Overlords to now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I went through my old folders and added them up. I've worked on twenty two projects, writing projects. Not all of them wow. film. Not all of them are full scripts. Some of them are pitches and pitch documents, what have you. But all of them have been where an agent has called, or, or I've had a production meeting, or I've you know. And I thought, oh, this could be a goer. This could be a goer, you know. So, And some of those have been other people's books. So, you know, um, and comics and comic books. Uh, but not actually written it. I've not actually adapted someone else's. But I, I've, I've, you know, been in the process of beginning it. And then it, for whatever reason, it fizzles apart and goes away. Yeah. Um, funnily enough, uh, just... Today, two things happened. One, I signed the option on a children's book that I've been meaning to get for absolutely yonks. So that might be happening. Interesting. And and I, I had an author, and I've had a couple of these, message me out of the blue. And these are published authors, you know, uh, trad published authors say, uh, oh, film. Um, let's have a let's have a call. Let's have a call about. So, you know, that's happening as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, so not yet, but Robin. It's but but, it's, it, but it is incredible. <laughs> it, it is incredible though to think because because the thing is the thing that everyone forgets, and it's it's on it's the same in every creative industry, but and particularly in the writing industry, everyone sees the big headline. And it's like oh my gosh, amazing! But what they don't hear it's about the persistence and all of the projects that have happened in between, of which many are still likely to come to fruition potentially. There's never a, I never think that something's you know down and done you can probably pick a few maybe they are but but the point is is that you we hear the headlines and we just think wow this person's like getting back-to-back successes but the point is is that you've been working your butt off every single day writing and this goes back to everything that we've talked about um and actually just as a quick aside on the bxp 2020 we should announce another announcement we've just hit seven million words that's seven million words that may have not been written yeah. From the beginning of January, of some of those may become, well, will become published books, but they may become TV shows. They may become film adaptions. There's, you know, it's, it's the word count is the first thing. So, you know, I love the fact that you're totally open about just how much you've been doing in between those, because I think it, it gives everyone who's, who's slogging away at this thinking, oh, this is such hard work. You know, inspiration that, you know, if you do keep going, good things happen. Good things happen. But another question before we go. In. Yes. Um, yeah. One of the things, one of the things that uh, Sasha's asked, which is really interesting and very relevant to the podcast, is how has fiction writing that you've done helped you in your script writing? Um, a, a lot. I think, as we've said on this podcast before, no, no writing is wasted, and um, I think just simply in terms of getting words down, you just keep, you know, sharpening that blade. Um, fiction writing is. Um, I tell you one way it helps, and this is you know we're talking about persistence is being able to have a happy place because there is so much rejection in film constant rejection um but having something that i know that whatever happens i can put it out there either pitch it to a traditional publisher or self-publish the option is always there having a bit of fiction 
that helps me. I know it's not a craft thing necessarily, but just having that happy place where I can go when you've got, you know, that email from your agent saying, ah, oh, sorry, they said no. Um, you go, that's fine. I've got my thing here. I'm going to keep working on that. And then the next the next movie thing comes along or TV thing comes along. Um, but they both feed into each other, you know, be it, you know, it's all storytelling, be it character, structure, tone um and themes as well that you know that all of those things you you learn every time you write something you learn every time you finish something uh, and look back on it so they they all feed into each other and i think as well what i find fascinating as well is with all the interviews on the podcast we're picking up so much incredible information and distilling it down um i mean having done this for for what is it? three and a half years now isn't it that we've been running this podcast the amount of things it's like such a deep study in the art of and the craft of writing and publishing and obviously going through different types of books that you've read you've read read a lot around your genre as well and outside the different genres you've written are different genres as well and this is a, again another kind of a new genre um i guess you could say with the kind of gremlins i was sold by the way on gremlins i'm like it's one of my favorite <laughs> films of all time I, my daughter actually bought me a gremlins t-shirt for christmas that's how much Aww. of a gremlins fan i am and um but i i do think that people that listen to this podcast we've talked about this the bxp team the people that support us on patreon we're all getting such an in-depth kind of deep dive on writing that um it all adds it all adds to everything that we do and any tips we can ever pick up from successful authors successful writers people like yourself mark doing screenplays as well it all adds to our kind of knowledge of what makes that perfect story ultimately Every episode I learn something or I have an mm. idea reinforced, something that might have slipped out of my middle-aged brain, you know. It's right, just, it's, yeah. It's all, it's all that thing of, um, you know, going to the mental gym every week and, yeah. and picking stuff up. So I, I've learned so much from doing this. This, this. You know, working on this has definitely made me a much, um, much better writer. And hearing about hearing about listeners that are kind of like re-listening, and that's partly why we're rerunning some of the old old episodes, is to it's that reinforcement of what we learnt once that we may have may have forgotten, or we might want to kind of add to the knowledge that we've got. That's such a big thing. People people think, oh, you read a book once and you've learnt everything. We 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 only retain a small percentage of the knowledge every time you read something, and it's the idea of you know hearing it again and again and again eventually makes it stick. So I'm 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 absolutely bursting with excitement as are all the people in the studio somebody said how how long did you was it that you found out before you could actually mention it i mean how long was it that you knew you had the deal before you could actually say anything because you must have been well, bursting the way it works uh so that's from andy and rachel and i see below zach has said can you go into the specifics of how optioning works in general so um the thing is i they announced it i will i you know i very little idea though it just suddenly people i started i forget how i noticed um something pinged up on twitter i saw i saw john's photo on twitter that's like, oh, john oh bloody hell they've announced it okay right i better blog so they about did, it they didn't even <laughs> tell you that it was going to be announced then no on the screen right they're not gonna <laughs> tell me not queuing up your social media then or anything that's brilliant yeah yeah because i'm uh, such a big influencer um so we uh it was optioned in march so that's okay. that's a bit of good news uh, but Zach says, what percentage of option projects get made? Maybe one in a hundred, you know, uh, particularly if it's a novel. I remember when I worked at Orion, it said, oh, it's been optioned by Ridley Scott. That was usually that usually meant it will never get made because Ridley Scott <laughs> options everything. Everything. <laughs> you know, just in case, you know, oh, Scott, Scott Free have optioned this novel. Well, well, never mind. You know, it's... Do you know uh, what, though? That, is, that, is, that must be an incredible badge of honour, though, just to be able to say, yeah, a novel's been optioned by Ridley Scott. Well, you know, we spoke uh, to Richard Morgan, uh, right. who did Altered, Altered Carbon. Carbon. Yeah, Netflix. Now, yeah. That, that was optioned just as I joined Orion in 2003, and that was optioned by Joel Silver, who was just coming off the Matrix trilogy. You know, so he was like, yeah, big science fiction property, and here's the next big science fiction property. And everyone at Galantz and Orion's like, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's been optioned. And then... Because, you know, they, they haven't actually hired a script writer at that point. They've got to make the script work. Alter Carbon's very, you know, complex science fiction, dealing with really big ideas, huge budgets. So it, the option, I mean, Richard uh, 
from you know he's been very public about this you know they option again and again and again he you know he's he's done all right out of that same with um Gerard Crombie you know his books were optioned uh but you know it's difficult to to get these things made so even those big high profile ones might never get made so it's it's really tricky that I I've been very lucky in that John and I have a writing partnership. So when we pitch these things, it's not just a screenwriter going, please, please make my film. Yeah. I've got a director. I've already got a director attached and a good one. You know, one who's got stuff made, who's done TV and has proven time and time again that he can knock it out the park. So here's a tip. Become best buds with a film director. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which, <laughs> if any directors out there would like to start a partnership program, maybe exactly. we could set that up on the podcast. Which I know is easier said than done. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that really, really helps. Sure. Um, so it's uh, so we had the option in March. Piers optioned it. Couldn't say anything about it. Because what are you going to say? I've had a script option. My, my agent could say that to other people when he's pitching me for stuff, you know. So that's, that's helpful. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's kind of, uh, that's as much as you can ever say. Um, and then uh, things started happening. There's stuff I still can't talk about. Uh, so there, there are partners that haven't been announced because the paperwork is still being done, which is, and the, when I say partners, very exciting partners. Um, and then we got this company Cornerstone on board, which is the sales company. So the sales company are the people who have the exclusive rights to go to places like Cannes and various film festivals and strike deals with finance companies or overseas distributors. Mm. So that's what they'll be doing over the next month or so, where they start saying, okay, hit Monster Movie, director and uh, writer, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the other thing I know, you know, casting, we might get cast attached in the next few weeks because with Robot Overlords, the, the thing that happened was as soon as we got Ben Kingsley and Gillian Anderson, all the money came in. You know? So we, had some, we yeah. had some development money before that. We had the BFI attached. But as soon as you get cast. Now, horror is an interesting genre. Horror doesn't need big name actors. It doesn't need big movie stars because horror really travels. Mm. Uh, you can, uh, you know, if you're writing a comedy, it doesn't really travel. You'll be lucky to get it to the States uh, and it might sell in France. You know, uh, whereas whereas uh, if you're doing um, a crime thriller, they travel pretty well. Horror works everywhere and it works in the Far East. It works in South America, works all over Europe. Horror really horror and LGBTQ stuff, because, uh, you know, there are gay film festivals all over the world. So if you're writing in those two genres, you're going to sell, you know, you're going to sell those rights. You're going to get your, your movie out there. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's what's happening. So Cornerstone have announced it as basically saying, yay, we've got this property, it's up for sale. So that's where we are at the moment. So this could all still fall apart. Yeah. I mean, this is it. And, uh, you know, bigger and better films have fallen at, at, at the final hurdle. So, um, so yeah, this will be part of the roller coaster of the podcast. Absolutely. It's the new, it's the new crash, crash test <laughs> but, dummies that we're doing. But things are moving in such a way with such a momentum that I am very I'm very confident. Very so, excited. Yeah, very confident. There's there's some funny questions popping up on the. <laughs> if you can see them, all. Um, Laura says uh, Sage is asking all the questions we want to know, and Sage has asked questions. I don't know if you can tell us this, but she says, "But when do you get paid when it's an option? Did you, do you, you do get paid? Right. Uh, the option was like a grand, you know. So it's uh, yeah. and and funny enough that children's book I optioned, I paid a pound. So, so bargain, you know, yeah. Option money. Where's the Richard That's, Morgan? Uh, when you know, going back to the alter carbon thing, I, it was hundreds of thousands, you know. And then when yes. they reoptioned, it was hundreds because that's a best-selling, award-winning book, you know. Uh, but this script, so it was, it was like a grand. Um, but the sc- screenwriting, the way screenwriting works, we get paid on the first day of principal photography. So we get paid when the filming starts. Um, so it's a very I'm being paid absolutely bugger all between now and the film starts <laughs> yeah. making but right. we've uh, we do have money from you know the financiers we've got so far but that will pay storyboard artists concept artists uh, various you know line producers and things like that who start mm. coming on board um, but yeah the, the big day is the first day of principal photography and then the money arrives in your bank and it's it's not megabucks it will be about a year's salary which is fair enough because that's i spent about a year working on it yeah. so you know that's that's where i am at the moment so. excellent that's really useful to know actually because again i think i think the word option has a very 
it has a lot of uh, glamour attached to it, but the reality behind it is that it's often yeah, a, there's, there's a nominal fee, right? There's different kinds of options. I mean, you know, if you're a screenwriter and an independent producer options it, you'll probably be paid about a grand. Uh, or they might do that thing for a pound. I wouldn't do the pound thing necessarily uh, because if they paid money, they're much more likely to get something done. Absolutely. Um, but whereas if you've got a book and it's a best-selling book, then that you have auctions and then you get different production companies coming in and wanting, getting exciting, excited and wanting to do, to, to be the, the ones to make that book. And that's when you do start talking about, and that's the author getting paid, that's not screenwriter. So they pay the author a wadge of money and yeah. then they'll hire a screenwriter and that'll be on commission. So that screenwriter does get paid. Uh, so yeah, there's, it's, 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 it's all different. But when you're talking about what, this is a spec script. So we wrote this short for speculation. We've written it on spec. So we've written, we've spent, John and I spent all this time working on the story with no guarantee that it's ever going to be picked up. And as I was saying, of those 20 odd projects that I was talking about, a few of those, John and I wrote the whole thing and nothing happened. We put it, because sometimes you can sell it with a pitch and sometimes you think, you know, we need to write this. We need to we need to actually do this so we can show it to someone uh, and go from there. Um, so you you know you learn with experience when when you do and don't have to do that. Um, but yeah, so with this we're selling it on spec. We get the the little bit of option money, you know, less agent commission, less tax, and all that shizzle. Um, yeah. But the idea is we have a nice payday at the end of it. Uh, and funnily enough, the thing we started working on today working on pitch for a sequel so you know that would be a different story if there was mm. a sequel then they would pay us money to write that sequel and the big lesson right. we learned from robot overlords is to have the bloody thing ready <laughs> right interesting so that's yeah. what we, it's funny very very similar then to the writing world where people talk about you know don't don't write the first book and stick it out and then have nothing in the in yeah, even ready to put out a lot of people kind of write the book break it into three parts, release part one as book one, and then quite quickly after that, they push out book two and then and then the momentum starts to build with, with book three. So it's interesting, isn't it, that, that there's, there's definitely, when people, when it's like strike whilst yarn's hot in some regards. So it's good that you're kind of, and that's really something you've only learned, I guess, by going through the process once before. Well, right? well Robot Overlords, we were just, delighted to get right you know, to, to get Kids a film a made. Shop, right and and it did move really really fast and uh john once with again the pre-production and production john is so mega busy so mega busy he's he won't have time to write so uh you know when the film came out they were like well we could we could we could look at a sequel but we were just caught on the hop and um you know it's it it's uh so we're not we're not gonna let that happen again so, mm. yeah Interesting. That's useful. And this is why the podcasts are useful because this often talk about um, showing up to, to show people the mistakes or the, the, the challenges oh, yeah. we've had in oh, the past, right? I've made all the mistakes. Save, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Save people that step. And that's why I think it's so incredibly valuable. Excellent stuff. So thank you for everyone for all of your questions. It's been really, it's really interesting to get a bit of an insight. And I really like the fact that you're willing to share some of the really nitty gritty that everyone wants to know as well, Mark, because a lot of this stuff is also very much kind of, you don't know it unless you're the person, you know, unless you're the actual person doing it. Um, uh, Sage has actually suggested an uh, uh, LGBTQ horror, potentially. Great idea. Bingo. Yeah, write, write, that, write that movie. If you write that on spec, if you write a low-budget, single-location uh, LGBTQ horror, whew, you're in with a really, really good shout. No, seriously, I'm, I'm not kidding. Yeah. That will get... That will, I mean, it might not get massive distribution, but no. it, will, it might get made for about half a million. It will do all the festivals, might win you some awards. You know, why the hell not why not so if you're writing a book like that well think about maybe learning the screenplay process which is what i've been doing actually i mean it's something that you know it, it's i found it a, such a useful thing having written a book to actually try and then write a screenplay having never done a screenplay and for me it's just opened up the world of understanding more about dialogue understanding about fast moving plots uh, about getting orders of things right because it's much easier in a screenplay i found to kind of move things around because there's not as much dense 
density, if you like, to it. Um, so I, I recommend it to anyone. If you're listening to this show and you've never even had a chat, we should actually we should actually have a bestseller experiment screenplay challenge, shouldn't we? And that we should maybe we'll do that in the future where we'll say, right, if you've never written a screenplay, give it a, give it a crack because um, I think even just as an exercise, it's phenomenal to help you writing, let alone potential movie deal at the end of it. So. Um, I think it's fantastic news. So let's 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 dive a bit deeper, Mark. We want to talk a bit about persistence. And I know that we put out some questions um, before the show um, because really persistency is is probably one of the most critical values or aspects that we have to have as writers in order to keep on going. It's the times where we feel like giving up or we think it's never going to happen. I remember on the BXP team this week, somebody talked about uh, getting their first rejection letter and we were all celebrating yeah. badge of honor, um, you know, and, and holding that and, 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 and knowing that that is part of persistency It's those tests that come along. So, yeah, I, th I think you have to understand that rejection isn't personal. It's not judgment of you as, as a person. Very often it's like, this is, this is great writing, I just can't sell it. It's not the sort of thing we do. I don't have a gap for that on my slate. I've got too much on my plate already. Uh, I I don't fall 100% in love with it. But someone out there will fall in love with it, you know. Uh, so it's... Um, yeah, but the other thing is don't spend 10 years working on the same thing and sending it out again and again and again mm. and getting the same rejections, you know. You, yeah. um, like I said, I, I, I've got, you know, 22 projects from robot overlords to now uh there's um there's a you know a good chance i could have the the project i started immediately after robots i could have spent you know the last five years just working on that and doing nothing else and then all these other opportunities would have got all these other lessons i would have learned because rejection you learn lessons from rejection you know you learn lessons from people saying you know what it's not what they were looking for or the timing was wrong or actually the tone was a little bit off uh if you get any ounce of feedback, you will learn from that rejection and, and, and you might be a little bit bruised, but you pick yourself up and you move on. And as we've said before, no writing is wasted. So, um, you know, it, they, and they're all hard work. I won't pretend these weren't hard work. You know, some of these were one pages. Some of these were full scripts. Some of these were, um, you know, uh, what they call lookbooks, which are like 10, 15 page illustrated things, which are pitch documents where, uh, you know, you, you, you put together a sort of mini Bible for a TV show or something mm. and you put a lot of work into that and it's a visual thing and then you show it and then they go, ah, you know what, we've got, we've got two or three other things just like that, so it's not for us, sorry. Is this 22 screenplay projects then, not including the books that you've written or is this everything? <laughs> it inc includes the books, but the books, books yeah. I've, I've had published. There's one children's right. book that hasn't been published. Um but uh, Back to Reality, End of Magic, and yeah. something else I can't talk about yeah. are, are, getting, are getting made, you know. And I know that the children's book, if I wanted to, I could self-publish that as well. So, yes. But the, all the rest of them, film or TV projects. They were kind of spec yeah. scripts or brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you see, I think rejection is, is a partner of persistence. It's a test. It's a test more than anything. But rejection sharpens your pencil, ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. It's like if we, you either, you either break the lead, either breaks your lead, and you're like, okay, I, I can't do this. Um, and I think to be an author, we talk so much about learning the craft, putting in the time, getting your 200 words a day down, all of those things. But we very often don't really, what's not brought up in that is the, the things that we need as individuals in terms of characteristics, our own characteristics, we talk about building these characteristics in our characters, but as an author, persistence has to be a key facet of what will make you ultimately successful. Because even if you have that incredible debut novel that goes off to sell a million copies, and we've, we've interviewed people that have done that, the persistence bit kicks in in a second when it's suddenly you're not maybe as successful. So persistence happens everywhere. And everyone that shows up, everyone that listens to this podcast, everyone that shows up to, to these live shows, persistence is what they've got because we see, we see, we see these, these, these names, the same people coming and, and then we hear the success stories eventually happen. So I think part of what we have to look at, again, is 
how resilient are we as writers? Um, and it comes down to how affected we are personally when we maybe get rejected or when we think we're no good at it. And when you, and I know we've got people in the group uh, and uh, on the live show today who are published or have published, you know, many books uh, or published traditionally. We've also got a lot of people who are starting out on the journey who think, OK, I'll write a book and I'll get published. And, you know, that might happen. We've interviewed people where they their first book, boom, big hundreds of thousands of dollars, New York Times bestseller. It does happen, but very, very rarely. Brace yourself for the long haul. You know, this is a marathon and a marathon where people keep bloody trying to trip you over, yeah. you know, so you've, um, you've got to keep picking yourself up. But if you love that process, if you have the love of writing, if you can do those 200 words a day and it brings you some kind of satisfaction, then keep going. If it's making you desperately unhappy, maybe step back and take some time. But I, I think that, as we've said again, the same thing we've said many, many times, which is the surest way to, 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 to fail is to give up. And I think if you can, if you can keep picking yourself out, if you can keep, keep putting one foot in front of another, keep writing, keep putting your stuff out there, new stuff, new stuff, new stuff, new stuff, then the odds of you succeeding are, are, um, are, well, they, are increased. They increase every single... That's the point, is that it increases every single time, every single word, you're increasing the odds of making that happen. Zach mentioned in the studio, he said, my publisher gave me a real wake-up call on an earlier draft. Some really tough feedback, but I recognised he was right, and the new draft came out much stronger. So it, in some ways, it's... It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Sasha said, I've been in the same position. Feedback from people who know what they're talking about is always valuable. Yeah, that's the, that's the gold standard, isn't it? I mean, trouble is with a lot of rejections. It's, you know, an email says, sorry, not for us. I know. Yeah, that's, what, that's one of the challenges, right? Which yeah. is why, you know, it's great to get a beta reader on board. If you're just starting out, that is your first feedback, a good beta reader. And again, that's something we see in the in the group all the time on, on Facebook and, and on Patreon is, is people helping each other out. And these are your contemporaries. These are your peers who are going to rise up with you. You mm. know, so if you've got a partner like that, that is worth its weight absolutely in gold. Absolutely, absolutely. And then and then further down the, the route, the editor came. Interestingly, in your situation, Mark, with with the little people, which is the with the, the movie we're talking about on this show, you've been doing it again, kind of like having a partner like we did in Back to Reality. And I've got to say, there is there is a magic in having somebody as invested as you in what you're working on. And that's obviously something that's very rare when you're writing a book by yourself. And you can maybe go, you know, you get the classic Stephen King working with, with their spouse. And, and even more recently, we've had more examples of authors who do read-throughs to their, their partners. But to have somebody that's as invested, and that only really comes with co-authoring, and something we're going to be talking about because we've got a little bit of experience about that. Um, we've also learned a lot on this podcast about how to work together as co-hosts and co-presenters. And, and that's, that's something which I think people should explore as well, because, and I know people within the BXP team, people that are supporting this podcast have, have got together to do joint projects. And that's a good way of mixing things up a bit as well, because I think if we're always just working on a project by ourselves, we miss out on getting that experience of a different perspective that I know when we, broke back to reality when we were bouncing ideas off it was amazing at where where the story went where it would never have gone if it were just one mm. of us writing it and uh yeah, yeah i think it's absolutely fascinating uh zach also said he sent out an experiment um he, he did an experiment sending out i like experiment zach he's sending out just the first chapter to beta readers with just two questions is it interesting do you want to know what happens next mm. Yeah, those are the two most important questions, really, aren't they? Um, yeah, cool stuff. We got some. Uh, we did get some listener questions from people who can't make it tonight. Um, so we got one from Shell, uh, Shell Vess, who said, uh, "Can we talk about fear? I have a nano book I started in 2018, and when I think about the story, I have this terrible fear. It's not writer's block because I have some ideas for what happens in the story, but I'm so afraid it will fail at telling the story in a way that will make it matter to anyone but me." That's so fascinating. That's, I believe Shell is actually with us in the studio audience. So. Brilliant, Hello, brilliant. Shell. Thank you for your question. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant question. You know, ultimately, from a coaching perspective, fear is one of the base emotions that controls all our mm. decision making, whether we realize it or whether we don't realize it. Um, fear is the thing that stops us putting our work out because we fear criticism. Fear is the thing 
that stops us putting our work out because we fear success. I mean, it's crazy to say this, but the amount of people I, I work with who are worried about suddenly becoming hugely successful and thinking that, you know, they won't have their privacy anymore or people suddenly know a lot more about their life than they otherwise thought, thinking it might have been the character they're, they're basing their own life on. So it's a really important question. Shell says it's not writer's block because she has some ideas of what happens in the story, but I'm afraid that I'll fail at telling the story in a way that makes it matter to anyone but me. Ultimately, we're all experiencing this journey in life. This is what I call the human experience. And I can go really deep if you want Mark on this, but I won't. Um, the human experience as a writer is is to, to, to fear, is to fear failure. But because we're all experiencing it on one level or another, there is always, always, always a group of people, tens, hundreds, thousands, millions, possibly billions, that are universally experiencing the same thing Thing, not necessarily directly that you're writing about, but will associate something in their life and they will connect. And interestingly, again, I often use songwriting as analogies, but the reason why a song becomes very popular is often it connects emotionally from the heart of the person that wrote it to the heart of the person that receives it. But it's never the same experience that the listener gets than it is as the person who wrote it. You might be writing a song about, uh, you know, uh, your mother who's passed away but the person that hears it might might have, um, I mean, it's a bizarre analogy, but they might have maybe lost a cat recently and experiencing grief in a similar way. It, it's received and sent in two different ways. So, Shell, to answer your question, I guarantee you that if you if you develop this story and you put it out there, you will find an audience of people that will relate either directly or indirectly. And that's not your job to worry about that. That's for them to embrace your work and and use it in the way that they need to use it in their life. And it's the reward for all your hard work. Having someone leave a review and say, you know what, I really connected with this, is the best thing in the world. Uh, it is absolutely brilliant. And Sage says it really well. She says, make it personal, Shell. Uh, uh, when you make stories personal, you make them universal. And I can say that when we were beginning The Little People, we looked at monster movies. We looked at other creature features. And they fall into two camps. There are the ones that are more interested in the monsters. And they're fun. Uh, but that's kind of it. And there are the ones that tell a human story, a personal story. They have a genuine character at the heart of it. And that was when we knew we were onto something, when we discovered that our characters actually, if you took the monster movies, monsters out of this, you'd still have a story. You know, we, there's still a personal connection. So I think, yeah, Shelt, make it, make it personal, make it niche, make it as niche as you possibly can. Yeah. And then worry about marketing it later. You know, you'll, Absolutely. Get, you'll get feedback on it. You'll be able to make tweaks to it and changes that, that might make it more, you know, commercial but um as long as you've got yeah. that core laura says i love feeling seen in quotes when i'm reading like has this author read my diary <laughs> right, <that's> exactly <laughs> what and there's a really great analogy i've got i've done a lot of public speaking i've been i've been part of toastmasters for for donkey's years and there's one thing that i learned in in speaking to like a large large audience and because you think how can you take in the whole room you think of like the audience and there's this tip they always say is you make eye contact with one person and you hold eye contact on contact with that one person. And there's a saying, which is when you speak to one, you speak to all. And the people in the audience, psychologically, it's really interesting. If you are making direct eye contact and you're holding that contact with one person, everyone else in the room experiences that. It's the same way that if you do a random act of kindness to somebody in the street, there's a serotonin hit that happens, but people who witness the random act of kindness also get the same serotonin hit, that happiness kind of feeling of, oh, isn't that amazing? So remember, write, you write for someone, you write for an avatar, even if it's for yourself, you write for that person. And then you know that the audience looking on will make that connection as well. And it's just human nature, it works. So I'd say feel the fear and do it anyway, Shell, because, if you're still in love with these characters that you develop, then there's a reason they're not letting go. They're not letting you let go. They won't leave your life. So maybe explore and see where it goes. She has said, would it be wise to get a beta reader for the first half of an unfinished book to see if I'm on the right track? Possibly. 
um, you might struggle to find someone who only wants to read half a book. Now, the the only problem I have with stuff like that is you get into... I, I know authors who will write two or three chapters and say, oh, can you read this? And then I'll give you another two chapters. Like, no, no, just give me the finished book. You know, so I would say finish it, finish it, get to the end, then hand it over to people. Have faith that you, you, you told us yourself, you've got an ending in sight, you've got a finish line in sight. Have faith that you can keep momentum going, get to the end of it, and then worry about handing it over to other people. Because only when it's finished can you, because otherwise you'll start rewriting those early chapters again and again and again. Weirdly, because I've, um, I had line edits to do last week, so I had to stop my book. 30,000 my new book 30,000 words in but it allowed me to take a break then I went back I did reread it so maybe that's worth doing maybe take a break go back reread it and make notes but and think about where you're going to go next but um I, I I'd be a bit iffy about asking for external feedback yet have faith that you can get to the end because I know that you can and the other reason that's super important as well is that Ultimately, if you've if you've got if you're lucky enough to have one beta reader, I mean, obviously, if you can get more, I would recommend it because you want to get a breadth. You know, if you get one person who says, oh, "Actually, I didn't really feel this," and another person says, "It's the most amazing thing I've ever read," you at least get a bit of an extreme of you know, rather than believing everything, you might have just picked someone who might not be your target market. And if they're a good beta reader, they won't beat you up over that. They'll just give you some great feedback on your story. But the point is, is that ultimately, if you if you are writing something, if you've got to the end and you and you get that one beta reader and you don't get the best feedback, then you have got to the end. Whereas if you're only halfway through it and you get one bit of bad feedback, honestly, that'll probably just completely take the wind out of yourselves. You yeah. think, oh, I knew it was rubbish and then and yeah, you yeah. stop working on it. And that's another reason to finish it because you might say, well, maybe they're, maybe they, they're not the right audience. I'll try another beta reader and just get another opinion. Get because, opinion if because writing that second half, you're going to discover stuff about your characters that you never knew. Uh, they'll surprise you. Things will happen. And you will astonish yourself with how much better the book is by the time you get to the end. So I would finish it personally. Fantastic. Now, Jeff White has sent us a question. Thank you, Jeff, for this. Jeff says, would like to talk about working on more than one project at a time. How do people manage it? Do you stagger hmm. working on drafts on different projects? If so, I, I have so many ideas and so little time. I originally envisaged them um, as, as alternating projects as you finish one of draft of one, you put it down, you pick up the other. This, I mean, we could do a show on this, absolutely. But Mark, I mean, obviously talk about Mr. Multitasking. That is us personified. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is, this is my life this week, okay? Yeah. Just... Just today, right? This is just today. So I start writing at 7.30, uh, finish at 9.30. That's that's the new book, okay? Uh, then I have a couple of phone calls about other projects, which are at a nascent stage. They haven't happened yet. So then uh, I started working on a pitch for something so that was that was my that was my morning uh afternoon uh i edited a thousand words of someone else's book because they asked for a sample edit i might be editing the full book so that was there was that and then and then after that poor me i was reading comic books all day because you know we're, we're looking at co uh, adapting comic books uh and then earlier in the week um i've been uh working on pitch ideas for other things now the thing i would do is you need to it's, it's basic time management which is you need to pass out the time it's easy for me because i'm a full-time writer although all of this work my my my, my net income today soddle absolutely <laughs> soddle uh, and it has been for the last two weeks you know so all of this work 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 earning me absolutely naffle um but you know the idea is hopefully somewhere down the line it will pay off so uh, of course if you've got a full-time job or a family or young children or whatever it's going to be so much harder so it might be worth two you might be able to imagine when i was working when i had a family uh i still have a family sorry that sounds weird <laughs> when, <laughs> when i had a family, oh I had a family they're in the, <laughs> yeah they're in the bunker now um, um when uh, when i had a young family i could manage two projects and the way i would do that i i i would have one I'm in the middle of a draft. I'm in the middle of, you know, or I, I'm a second draft or whatever. And the other thing would be notes, 
story outline, notes, ideas. Never try and do two things at the same time. If you're starting page one of two projects at the same time, that is the yellow brick road to insanity uh, and unhappiness. You know, So don't do that. If you can have two different projects, have them at two different levels. So when you get stuck on one, oh, I'm in the muddy middle here. All right, just take some time out and work on the new idea. And that's great because it's like, oh, yeah, there's so much possibility here, blah, blah. Never mind you'll be in the muddy middle and that in six months' time. But you say, and it gets you energised. You think, great. And then... Having worked on something different, having you know exercised different synapses, you then go back to your other one. And you go, oh, there's the solution to the problem. Great, I get back on that again. So I, you know, that was how I would work when uh, when I lived in the real world and had a proper job and a and a, and a family. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's a common it's a common problem. People that love to write by nature are creative. Creative people have ideas all the time. I I honestly have a new idea daily which i think is going to be the next massive thing and what i've learned so just really to you know an advice for jeff and any all of us other people of which i think it's everyone out there to a greater or lesser extent you know do you get a new idea a week would you get 10 new ideas before breakfast right but ultimately what i do with it is i i i really hate to let go of something so i actually have I have a spreadsheet, which I call the parking lot or the car park, and I, I dump stuff down. And then at least I know that it's there. And then over time, I keep revisiting it regularly because I'm putting new ideas and make, and I'm not kidding you, this, this spreadsheet's now like 150 different things ranging from billion dollar web startups to book ideas to all kinds. But you'll find over time that stuff becomes less relevant. Some stuff drops off that list. And what you're looking for, and I think the best way of doing this, if you're already working on too many projects, is put them on your, put them on your parking lot list and see which ones have staying power. A bit like Shell mm. said earlier, this book won't let go of her. And there's certain ideas on that list that I keep looking at, including one we're going to announce in two weeks, funny enough, Mark, um, <laughs> which just will not will always be there. And every time you go back, you think, it's time has come. I've got to do it. So it's actually more about managing the ideas rather than a sense that if you don't jump on it now, then it, it will lose its relevancy. No, let it marinate. A bit like you were saying, Mark, about the book. Let the book sit. Let the idea sit and marinate. Yeah. Does it and give it give it two, three months. I used to have, I'm not kidding you, Mark, I used to have about 70 domain names that I owned. Because what I did is the day I got an idea, I first thing I did is I rushed onto the web and I checked, oh, oh, oh my gosh, the, the domain name's free. And I registered it and I started hanging on to these domain names for years. And it was like, you know, nearly a thousand quid a year paying reg you know, 10, $10, 10 pounds for each. And I started thinking, this is ridiculous. Like I'm never going to do all this in my life. And, and so let it marinate. And I think mm. the same, you know, if you just create a book list idea and, and, and 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 then rank them, score mm. them one to ten. What do you feel? Which one excites you the most? Sort them, sort them. And if you've got like five book ideas that are all tens, then rank them by A, B, and C. A being the most, you know, the one that really gets you. And then you start to get a bit of clarity, but let it marinate for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't have a spreadsheet, but I have a notebook. And ideas go into the notebook. And yeah. when I get to the end of the, I get to the end of the notebook, you go back, you review them, and go, oh, actually, that, that might be a goer, you know. Yeah, and actually, that's a really good point. One place to put all of this stuff. It doesn't matter mm. if it's a notebook, a spreadsheet, but not a post-it notepad, or not a scrap of paper, or not not the back of a fag. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Back of a cigarette packet, or <laughs> a, uh, a you know, a back of a napkin. You've got to pick a spot. That is the most important thing. Pick a spot. In fact, tell us what your tell us what your spot is, folks, in the studio. Where do you collect your ideas? And if not, where are you going to collect your ideas from this moment on? Mm. Yeah, August. Um, going back to movie stuff, uh, we missed a question from Ian, Ian Sainsbury, award winner, Ian Sainsbury. In these days of self-publishing, do you think a decent route to screen might be to write the novel first and get it out there, then pitch? Uh, if it's a bestseller. if uh, I mean, most publishers and agents have their movie rights people and they will start um, pitching it to movie people just as, you know, when they go to the London Book Fair or Frankfurt or stuff like that. Self-publishing is a lot more difficult. Unfortunately, they... They won't take you as seriously if, you, if you're self-published, unless you're Mark Dawson or L.J. Ross or someone like that. So it's um, it is it is a lot tougher, a lot tougher. But you know, the I 
when Robot Overlords came out, I did what they call the uh, water bottle tour of Los Angeles. So I spent a week going around LA do, having meetings with people. And my, my first big mistake was I took a bunch of original ideas. And their movies at the moment, they're all about intellectual property IP. They want something that has been proven out there and works and has an audience. So I came back and I came up with a few ideas that were in the public domain. And one of those... Oh, actually, I can't talk about that. But one of those <laughs> teaser, one of those, teaser. one of those went ding. So um, you know, ah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're coming to the end of the show, but we've got oh, some social what? media to do. Absolutely, it's been flying by today. But we've got some social media and some um, incredible sports of the show to thank as well. Um, so I think we should really. I mean, again, this is this has been a kind of a bit of a movie theme. This this uh, this show, but. Alex has got an amazing announcement. That yes, he this sent is us. fantastic. This is fantastic. This is uh, uh, Alex Waite says, have to share some good news. Seems hard to come by these days. Just found out an animated feature script I sold is pushing into production and he's been offered to write the sequel. Uh, <laughs> you know, Alex says, I'll just have to finish my book, get that published and we can call this a year. Alex, congratulations. Massive that is congratulations. Just, I mean, uh, it's interesting because... Um, I know Hollywood's been in lockdown, but animation is going get like gangbusters because they can all work from home. Perfect. Uh, so particularly digital animation. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's funny. A couple of my things, my agent, who's previously been a bit down on animation, has been sending stuff out to animators. So um, that is, uh, yeah, that's brilliant. So I did message Alex and say, can you tell us about it yet? And of course can't say anything beyond that yet so but yeah as soon as you as soon as you have any more to tell us about that alex let us know that'd be just amazing that's brilliant and samantha mcdonald uh tweeted us and said hello mark sir thank you so much for inspiring me to keep writing over the last year i've listened to all of your free content so I decided it was time to support your efforts with subscription Aww. Isn't that lovely? That is. Yours, and this is this warms my heart isn't this yours is the best <laughs> writing podcast around i've looked amazing work (laughs) thank you so much for that samantha and and zach he's actually with us these are all um people that are supporting the podcast zach uh said that my 218 day writing streak ended when i finished my seventh draft clocking in at seventy-four thousand words absolutely on the dot pretty much for the 200 words day thank you for your inspiring podcast Hmm. and encouragement every writer should be a patron of BXP. Thank you, Zach. Every, every writer, listen Everyone. to Zach. Listen how, to Zach. How do people get to sign up? It's very simple. You go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and you sign up to become a patron of this podcast. You have different tiers you can pick and you get incredible gifts such as this ability to be with us on the live show, asking questions, chatting and having loads of fun and also part of the BXP team of which all of these amazing people we've talked about today are a part of. It's the most incredible group. So please do support podcasts. Come on to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support. And we should mention as well, BXP 2020, if you want to write your 200 words a day in our in our challenge, pop along to bxp2020.com. This is the magic source that everyone is now using to get there well seven million words collectively now since the beginning of the year and it's only getting only growing every single day which is amazing so keep it up if you're doing it and if you're not doing it get involved tomorrow today start writing yeah we had a message from carl uh, who said uh, love the podcast love the bxp 2020 challenge i just joined i'm writing my first full-length play and this challenge was just the thing to get me motivated so good luck with that carl keep it up don't forget to bank those words and um, while we're talking about patrons uh let's just give a shout out to some of our latest ones so samantha mcdonald who uh, messaged us there please be upstanding for samantha mcdonald uh put your hands together for a o monk thank you a.o monk and uh please please show your appreciation for mark monroe you folks are all just simply amazing so thank you so much for that and all your support could not do this without you absolutely absolutely so so everyone in two weeks from now as i mentioned we're going to be making a really exciting announcement you won't want to miss that so please do set your dates and diaries and If you have a public declaration about what you want to do with your writing now and towards the end of the year, let us know about it. Pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com, click on the contact form and tell us your public declaration or, as good, any amazing news that's happened to you, such as finishing a book we want to celebrate with you uh, or any other, you know, small stuff like, you know, 
getting a movie deal or something movie like deals. that. Just, just, <laughs> right? just, just, just drop that one in as well. And um, if you'd like to join us, we, you can also contact us or you can chat with us on social media. Yes, come and find us. We're on Facebook. Meh. Uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at Bestseller XP. Come and find us there. Uh, and yes, uh, just drop us a line at bestsellerexperiment.com. You'll see the contact thing there as well. So yeah, come and say hi. Tell us your successes, your, your celebrations, your ups, your downs. Uh, we've got an amazing community and you can be part of it. Absolutely. Penny Johnson, for example, is one success story. She wrote in to tell us that her first book, in a foreign language will be out soon. It's a startup company in Italy, but they approach me, which is good for the ego. And they have two more of mine in the process. So there's so much amazing Molto stuff bene, Molto bene. This is absolutely brilliant. So please celebrate. We, we want to keep inspiring everyone to keep writing every single week. And we thank everyone in the studio for joining us today, all these amazing people. Thank you so much. We hope you've been inspired by today's podcast, by each other. You're all chatting away like crazy there, and I love it. And uh, if we didn't get to drop your message this time around, we apologise, but we will try next time. Just to end on a slightly serious note, um, with everything that's going on in the world, um, just to stay, um, we shouldn't have to say this, but, you know, apparently in some areas this is a controversial opinion, but black lives matter. Uh, fascism is a bad thing. Racism is a bad thing. But if you're a writer... The opportunity is there now to get your voice heard. No, more than, I mean, traditional publishing it is changing. Uh, you know, um, uh, Hachette is a very different company to the one I joined, you know, 15, 16 years ago. Uh, Penguin, all the big publishers, they are pushing for changes in diversity of, of, of not just authors, but the people who work at publishers. And it is changing. It is getting there. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight. But with self-publishing, with indie publishing, you can make your voice heard. And it's never been a more important time to get your voice heard. So get writing, finish those books, tell us what you're writing, get your get word out there and change the world. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff, Mark. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. And until next time, it's goodbye from Mark 1. And goodbye from Mark 2. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.